Hello, welcome Dr. Shishma Singh decide today in unit 21 religion and politics let us start our lecture with topic religion and politics in contemporary India. Today the debate in India is primarily focused on communalism, secularism and fundamentalism, religious nationalism, religion and politics in contemporary India can be viewed as undergoing a different phase of evolution where interest other than religion guide actions of individuals. Communalism, it must be asserted at the outset, is not in the main about religion. It can be defined as an ideology which envisages the religious community as a political group committed to the protection and promotion of its social and economic interest and cultural values. It is thus a substitute for nationalism. The territory occupied by the group is seen as holy land and land of pure which is what the word Pakistan and Khalistan means. As pointed out by the Louis de Mount, the religious element that enters into the composition of communalism seems to be but the shadow of religions, that is religion taken not as the essence and guide of life in all spheres but only as a sign of the distinction of one human, at least virtually political group against others. In the context of India, the important question is to be addressed is, has the persistence of the communalism in India and the persistence of communal rights anything to do with the subsistence religious contents of the conflicting religions. This section attempts to answer this question by examining the communal rights between Hindus and Muslims. Historical analysis of Hindu-Muslim com communal conflict, its causes and conditions has been highly contentious in nature. According to one group of historian such as Gajendra Pandey, Scenario Frag, Aisha Jalal, Hindu-Muslim consciousness and conflict are large, largely modern constructions in which the British colonial rulers played a major role, either through deliberate divide and rule policy or through ways in which they are categorized, classified and typified the various people of India for example, they categorized some tribes as criminal tribes. These constructions views of Hindu or Muslim communal consciousness or communalism as forms of ideology which connects to class, group and elite political interest. Thus to them the growth of the communal consciousness is an instrument of struggle either against the British or between Hindu and Muslim for political advantage or supremacy. In the course of the struggle, communal violence was often the result of conflict framed within a communal discourse. 
they hold that communalism is a cover that hides a multiplicity of mainly political or economic causes. The other groups of historian Bele Gobarius argue that there is more continuity between the past and the present, extending backward at least to the early 18th century and in some arguments to the earlier period of Mughal rule. To them inter-religious conflict and rights that resemble contemporary Hindu-Muslim conflict were present in pre-modern times. They lay greater stress on their religious significance and on the existence of strong communal identities that preceded them. However, in modern India, we still find the traces of divide and rule policy of the colonial rulers of the past. The imprints that has led to a great divide between the two largest communities of Hindu and Muslim in India keeps waxing and waning according to the political climate of the national as well as its different religions. Brass says, Whatever the similarities, continuities and persisting idiom, idioms may be found before the 19th century, it would seem ideal to overemphasize them. The consolidation of the heterogeneous Hindu and Muslim grouping in the subcontinent and the politicization of the differences between them are overwhelmingly a modern phenomena deeply connected with the striving for control over the modern state apparatus involving a claim to rightful inheritance on the part of Hindus and to self-determination on the part of Muslim leaders. In the course of the struggles for power that developed during the British rule intensified in the late 19th century and culminated in the division of India in 1947. A discourse of Hindu-Muslim difference was created that has struck deep roots in the both communities and acquired a partly self-sustaining momentum that at the same time continues to be fed by political competition. Asserting that communal conflict has little to do with the religion itself, but with its use by the politicians for their vested interest, Ali Asghar, engineer, one of the most prolific writers on Hindu-Muslim rights in India, blames neither the Hindus nor the Muslims as communities for the flaming of communal rights. To him, it is the politicians on the one hand and the forms of economic competition between Hindus and Muslims on the other that are responsible for the eruption of communal rights. To him, minor disputes are exploited by petty-minded politicians who have no qualm in sacrificing human lives that follow upon their exploitation of such disputes for their political advantage. At times, political movements themselves are the cause of violence, as in the Ramshila Puja. 
processions of militant Hindu carrying bricks of to Ayodhya in a movement to bring down the Babri mosque there and replace it with a temple to the god Ram. These processions resulted in the eruptions of riots all over the community. Thus, to engineer the primary cause of communal rights in India is the pursuit of political advantage at any cost. It's clear that despite all condemnation of rights from all concerned members of the conflicting communities to the elite intellectual to the state, the rights continue. Brass uses the Martinian kind of functional analysis to explain this persistence. To him, rights serve the interest of particular groups, organizations and even society as a whole in concrete useful ways that are beneficial to them. Further using one of the more common uses of term function, that of use or utility. He speaks of the functional utility of the persistence of Hindu-Muslim rights in India for a wide variety of interest group, institutions and organizations including ultimately the state. Under these circumstances, it is not possible to produce a broad enough consensus in society to eliminate violent rights from Indian public life. Thus, contrary to the prevailing notion that rights are spontaneous rather than planned, that they break out either unexpectedly as a consequence of a build-up tension that may or may not explode under fortuitous circumstances, they to brass are meticulously planned and coordinated from beginning to end. Rather, they are dramatic productions, street theatre performances that are meant to appear spontaneous, but involve many people in a variety of roles and actions that include inciting the interest of the audience. The dramatization and enlargement of incidents into a fit subject for a performance and finally the production of the event are dramatic productions, creations of specific persons, groups and parties operating through institutionalized rights networks within a discursive framework of Hindu-Muslim communal opposition and antagonism that in turn produces specific forms of political practice that make rights integral to the political process. Here we want to close this lecture. Thanks for listening.